we've also got a very special guest with us this morning. Uh, we've got Marcellus Edmonds from uh, King's Church Heathfield. Uh, he's going to preach for us from the Bible. Marcellus, uh, let's welcome him as he comes up. Hello. Good morning, everybody. My name's Marcellus. Uh, I'm married to Hannah. She's over there um, behind Lally. Uh, we've got three children uh, who aren't with us this morning because we, gra- we played the grandparents' card strongly and left them in Heathfield, which that's what sensible people do. Um, and this morning, I want to talk to you about courage. Uh, and the reason I want to speak to you about courage is there's two reasons. Number one, I am... Uh, I'm basically naturally uh, very much a wimp, so it's always good for me to hear, uh, to remind myself about being courageous and about courage. And the second reason is, I feel like God told me to, which is probably better than the first reason. So what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. If you want to start turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, 1 Chronicles 28, uh, verse 20. Don't worry if you don't have your Bibles, I will read it to you. So Lord God... We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence with us this morning, Lord. I thank you for this church, your people gathered to worship you, Lord. I thank you that you have written salvation on hearts, Lord. I thank you that you have written your peace and your love and your glory all over this place, Lord. I thank you for the stories of people coming up and saying, Jesus has absolutely and completely loved me. I thank you that this church speaks of that story, Lord. I pray this morning you would be with us. I pray you'd be here by your spirit uh, in great power. I pray that you would touch hearts. I thank you for this place, Lord. And I pray that you would bless me uh, and uh, help me to not get my words wrong. Amen. See? get to pray at the front and you, get to, you can uh, make sort of a hundred other people pray for you as well. It's excellent. So we're in uh, 1 Chronicles 28. And so we're talking about courage and King David, who is probably uh, the most famously courageous person in the Bible. Uh, perhaps if you're not a Christian this morning, you're not uh, familiar with the Bible. Everyone knows the story of King, da- King David, the shepherd boy who fights Goliath, who is courageous and kills the giant Goliath. We all know that story. And where we catch up with David is that he's an old man and he's talking to his son Solomon and he's giving advice to him. Because David's dream was to build the temple of God. It was his dream. He wanted to build God a temple that uh, God could dwell right in the middle of the land, right in the middle of his land, right in the middle of his people. That was David's heart and his dream. But God said, no, I want Solomon to do that. And instead of sulking, which is probably what most of us would have done, God says no. David began to gather loads and loads of uh, materials. He began to gather loads and loads of uh, expert builders and bring them all together so that when Solomon, who was the one who was going to build the temple, when Solomon uh, finally came to the throne, he he would be in a much better position to begin building the temple. And so before the verse that, we're, that I'm actually going to read, Solomon is, uh, David is explaining to Solomon, to his son, about all the building materials. He's explaining to him about the money that's been gathered. And, he's, and then he gives this advice in verse 20. David also said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. And probably those words sound a bit familiar to us, and they should do because they're a direct quote from Moses talking back in Deuteronomy 31. And, he's talk- and Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he's talking to them before they enter this promised land, before they eventually conquer the land that David will eventually be king of, and then Solomon will be king of after him. And, and Moses says this, he says, Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the reason that courage is essential. Courage is essential because it opens the door to the promises of God. Courage opens the doors to all the promises of God. And perhaps you're thinking this morning, I do not have any promises of God. It's not true. You read the Bible, it is rammed full of promises of the promises of God. If you're not a Christian this morning, perhaps you're here exploring faith, you'd still have promises in God. God says, if you seek, you will find. So we all have promises in God this morning. Perhaps you've got promises, direct promises over your life. Perhaps there's prophetic words over your life that are unfulfilled promises in God. Courage opens the door to the promises of God. You see, both of our examples stand right at the beginning of the fulfillment of promise. So Moses, in the bit from Deuteronomy, uh, God has promised to the Israelites that escaping Egypt that he will give them a land, a promised land in which God will rule uh, and he himself will be in the middle of the land and it will serve like an advert for the nations around displaying his glory and goodness. And David's bit is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise to David that he's going to build a temple and he's going to dwell in that temple in the middle of the land displaying his glory and goodness. So both times both of, our, both of our heroes are told to be strong and courageous in order that they might walk into the promises of God. So I want to suggest to you that courage is like a spark. Courage is like a spark. So when we have a gas explosion in a room, the room fills with gas and it fills and it fills and it fills with gas and then all it takes is one explosion, one spark and the room explodes. Courage is like that spark. And you see that principle at work in both of our examples. So David has provided the the materials and the labor needed to build the temple. God has told David that the temple will be built. And God has told David that Solomon will do it. And yet David says to Solomon, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. You think there will be no need. Wouldn't you? It's all stacked in Solomon's favour. He's got the materials, God said, uh, and, da- and David said, and given, him the, and given him the advice. It's exactly the same with Moses. M- Moses knows that God will provide the land by defeating their enemies. And God will give them the land that he has promised to them. Which is exactly, Psalm 44 illustrates my point beautifully. Because it says, and this is retrospectively, looking back, it says this. 
It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, talking about God, your arm and the light of your face because you love them. And yet, that, and yet Moses instructs the Israelites, Moses instructs Joshua, be strong and courageous. Which is really odd. You think it's all set in place. Is there a need to be strong and courageous? But there's something about courage that sparks the promises of God into life. Something about courage in your life that will spark the promises of God into light. Cause that explosion. And we see this same pattern going on and on all through the whole Bible. So it's not just the Old Testament. Unlike what happens in the New Testament is because the stories are the stories in the Old Testament we're looking back. So we're looking back. The story's finished. So there's a so the the call to be strong and courageous starts at the beginning. In the New Testament, they, the story the call to be strong and courageous typically happens towards the end, towards the end of the letters. Towards the end of the Gospels, Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be strong and courageous. Because you see, what's what's been happening in the New Testament, the writers have been filling their readers, and that's us, and the people that have read it for the previous 2,000 years, they've been filling us with gas, like a room filling up before an explosion. They've been filling us with the promises of God. So when we read the word, when we hear people uh, come and pray, when people prophesy over us, it's, it's like we're being filled with gas. And that's, what, that's what's happening in the epistles, that's what's happening in the New Testament. And then they say, be strong and courageous. So Solomon, so it's like Solomon has been filling with gas through the promises of God's, through the promise of God and David's work. It's like Moses has been teaching the people about the promises and about the land, and then he says, "Be strong and courageous." It's like Jesus does it with the disciples. He fills them with gas. He shows them miracles. He's teaching them, showing them revelation. Then he says, go and be strong and courageous. And when we read the promises of God in the Bible, when he speaks to us, it's like we are being filled with gas. And I think so often we don't, we don't allow the spark. We don't allow the courage the spark of courage to set fire to all of the things that God puts inside of us. And it's amazing that God gives us this responsibility. It's, a, it's amazing that God makes our lives matter. You mean, there's, there's, there's something about the blessing of God that is subjected himself to our actions, which sounds really wrong, <laughs> doesn't it? It does sound really wrong, doesn't it? Let me read it again, perhaps you didn't hear me. Uh, God, God has subjected himself to our actions, which sounds really wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> but he has. He's made himself, not completely, obviously, he's made, but, but he's made himself subject to our actions. And you see this pattern throughout the Bible, throughout the Old and New Testament. 
God is always looking for men and women who will believe his promises and through the spark of courage see them explode into life. So God could have built the temple himself. Could have sorted it out himself. Didn't have to involve David. He didn't have to involve Solomon. He could have conquered the land himself. Didn't have to involve Moses. He didn't have to involve Joshua. He didn't have to involve the people at all. God could transform Lewis himself. He wants to work with us. He wants us to be part of the process. He wants to display his glory and his goodness through us, through you. Just in the same way that he does through the nation of Israel, just in the same way as he does through the temple in the Old Testament. God wants to display his goodness through our lives being changed. He wants to display his goodness through the church. He wants to display his goodness through our involvement in the area. God wants to take our lives and pour his goodness and glory through them so that people might see us and look to him. But courage is is the spark. You see, courage is the thing that does something. Courage embodies the promises. Courage puts the rubber onto the road. I like Nicky Gumble tweeted this, which Nicky Gumble's always really nice, but this isn't. He says, five green fog, frogs are sitting on a log and four decide to jump off. How many are left on the, frog, on the log? Answer, five. Because deciding isn't the same as doing. Courage. Yeah, it's very harsh from Nicky Gumbel, isn't it? He's usually, he's usually much kinder than that, isn't he? But I liked it. Uh, courage is the spark that does. You see, God's promises are still good. His word is still true. He's still pumping gas into situations. He's still pumping gas into conversations. He's still in prayer. He's still with his people. He's not dead. He's still here and he's still alive. When we read the Bible, when the promises of God that say the fields are white with harvest, he's still pumping gas into situations. He's looking for men and women that will put their hands up and say they will have a go. You know, David's a boy. He's a boy with a sword and a shield. Moses has a speech impediment. Solomon isn't the firstborn. God is looking for a spark to display his glory. He's looking for a spark of courage in us to display his glory. I just want to, I'm just going to pause and pray for a couple of minutes. Lord, I, just, I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for the people in this church. I pray, I just ask Holy Spirit, would you just speak into lives, Lord? I pray that you would, I pray that you would stir your promises again in people's lives this morning. I pray for people with dormant promises this morning that you would awaken them again, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak deeply and powerfully into lives, Lord. Amen. But the problem with courage, isn't it? The problem with courage is fear, isn't it? That's our difficulty with courage. And we're, we're told not to be afraid. But sometimes we do feel afraid. We feel embarrassed and it feels difficult, doesn't it? 
doesn't it? I like, uh, sorry, I'm used to a bit more of a nod, I don't know. Um, so when I, when I, when I left... Uh, when I left my old job to uh, work for the church full time, I felt like God was telling me to join the local rugby club, which is Heathfield he and Wardrum Rugby Football Club. You'll be, very, you'll be delighted to know that we get absolutely smashed by Lewis uh, Rugby Football Club on an in- incredibly regular basis. It's like being beaten up as well as losing the game. It's horrific. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. <laughs> the, uh, so... So I felt like God told me to join this rugby club. I'd never played rugby before. Um, well, I played at school. Um, but I went down to the rugby club and it was torturous. It was like being uh, a 12-year-old boy again. It was very, very painful. Everyone was at least 10 years younger than me. Everyone was about twice as fit. And usually I get away with things by being quite big. But everyone's my size. So it's like my only unique selling point of being large has been completely eradicated. And it was really, really embarrassing and really, really difficult. And, uh, and I, used to say to, I used to say to my wife, I'm going to go to rugby now. So I'd get in the car, I'd drive to rugby. And sometimes I'd be so embarrassed and I'd be so scared that I'd just sit in the car park at the rugby club for five minutes and then I'd just go home. Honestly, you guys try it. First team rugby. It's not a joke. But, it's, but it, was, it was just, and I felt, and I felt awful about it because I felt actually the feeling of fear, because I, I knew God had told me to do it. I really know, and, and, now, and now I can see sort of some of the fruit of what God's told me to do. But I knew God had told me to do it. But that feeling of fear just so absolutely gripped me that I allowed myself to be afraid. But I wanna, what I want to suggest to you is that the feeling of fear is not the same as being afraid. I want to tell you that you can feel fear and yet choose not to be afraid. Solomon feels fear. So when, when, uh, when God meets Solomon in a, in, a, in a dream, Solomon says this to him. He says, I am a little child. I do not know how to lead your people Give me wisdom. And that's not the request of a man who's like, oh, I've, I've never felt, you know, I don't know the meaning of fear. I've never felt fear. That's not, the, that's not the request of some macho guy, is it? That's the request of a guy who's feeling fear. And when God tells Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh, you have the most amazingly amusing interchange ever in the Bible where where basically Moses has a protracted argument with God. And the reason he has a protracted argument with God is because he's terrified. He's terrified. So Moses feels fear. And in fact, I think it's really difficult to be strong and courageous if you don't feel any fear. If the task isn't daunting, you don't need to feel strong and courageous. And I think probably, if you never feel any fear, you've probably drifted into some sort of level of madness. The lady who comes to the front, who said, I feel, I have anxiety. I feel anxious about doing it. So she felt fear, but chose not to be afraid. She chose to do what she knew was the right thing to do. So it's really helpful for me. Thank you for that. Uh, Really helpful for me, because it's a demonstration of courage. And Jesus, Jesus looks, appears to feel, to feel fear in the gospel, in the gospels. They describe him as 
in agony and sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before, just before he's tortured and murdered. So feeling fear is not the same as being afraid. Feeling fear and choosing to do it anyway is courage. Psalm 91 says this, and I just think it's brilliant. It says, you will not fear the terror in the night. You will not fear the terror in the night. How many, how many of you think that if you are going to fear something, it probably should be the terror in the night? Just by its description. Do you think? Just by it being called the terror in the night. The psalmist tells us, you will not fear it. There is a difference between feeling fear and being afraid. When we feel fear and choose to do it anyway, we are being, courage- we are being strong and courageous. When we feel fear and we choose to give in to that fear and allow that fear to dominate and control our behavior, we are being afraid. So feeling fear is okay. Choosing to be afraid is not. And feeling fear certainly doesn't mean that God isn't with you. Because God being with us is the antidote to being afraid. Not not feeling fear, but being afraid. Every time the Bible tells us, do not be afraid, the reason that it gives us for not being afraid is that God is with us. So remember our verse, it says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid, afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord my God is with you. It says exactly the same the verses from Moses. So what about God being with us helps us to not be afraid, even if we feel fear? What about God being with us helps us to feel fear and yet be courageous? First, if God, is with, if God with us is the antidote to being afraid, we need to define what actually being afraid is. Being afraid of something, choosing to base your action on your fear, so therefore being afraid of something is choosing to worship that thing. So what you choose to be afraid of, you will worship. What you choose to be afraid of, you will worship. So the the Hebrew word, which we translate afraid from, is annoyingly similar to another word, but it's your ray, Y-A-W-R-A-Y, which has not only got this idea of fear and not only got this idea of scariness attached to it, but there's also an idea of respect. There's also an idea of reverence. There's also an idea of honor and of awe. So when we're being afraid... When we're choosing to be afraid, we're choosing to treat those things that we're scared of, people, money, the future, sickness, other people's opinions. We're choosing to treat those things with respect, with reverence, with honour and with awe. 
So a really obvious example, if you've been in church for any period of time, you'll know this example. So you feel like you want to lift your hands in worship, but you don't because you're fearful of what other people may or may, may or may not be thinking about you as you lift your hands. Yes? We've all kind of been there, probably. <laughs> uh, thank you, whoever that was. At that moment... We're choosing, we're choosing to be afraid of another person's opinion. So we're, t- we're treating that person and what they may or may not think with more or respect, reverence and honour than God. In fact, God tells us in, in relation to him to treat him with respect, to treat him with honour, to treat him with reverence, to treat him with awe. So what we're doing when we do that with things that aren't him, we're taking worship, we're taking our worship and we are laying it at the feet of something else. We're giving our worship to something lesser when we choose to be afraid. So how does God with us stop us doing that? Very simply, God with us stops us being afraid because when we know, when we, when we know him, when we acknowledge his presence with us, when we turn our hearts and our spirits to him, we can't help but worship. We can't help but be in awe and reverence and honour and respect for him rather than our feelings, rather than our circumstances, rather than our fear or the people around us. So actually, if you don't want to be afraid of everything, we need to choose to be afraid of one thing, and that's choosing to be afraid of God. So God with us allows us to look at him in every single circumstance, which is exactly what David is telling Solomon to do. Solomon's been tasked to build the, to build the temple. David's provided them, them, the materials, and then, and then David gives him this advice to be strong and courageous. And the reason that Solomon could feel uh, fear is that David is, is, this is like David's final instruction to him. This is like his final words. He's not going to be with him anymore. He's, gonna, he's, he's close to death. And so, Solomon, and so David says to Solomon, don't be afraid that I won't be with you because God is with you. And you see, that was true to an extent. And that whole idea of God with us, that's the reason for the temple. That's the reason for the nation. That's what God's been building. He's been building this group of people in the Old Testament. He's taken them out of slavery. He's put them in the land because he wants to display his glory and his goodness through them. And so he's saying, I'm going to build a temple so I am right in the middle. I'm right in the middle of life. I'm right in the middle of your commercial life. I'm right in the middle of government. I'm right in the center of this nation. So he's given the Israelites, he's given the people of the Old Testament a chance to have God with them. So you don't need to be afraid because God is with us. He's right here with us in the temple, in the, temple, in the center of our nation. You see... However, but however wonderful the temple is, the temple is limited. That's why I said God is with Solomon to an extent. There's a limit to the temple. 
So one man goes into the temple once, once a year into the Holy of Holies when he's sacrificed loads of animals, when he's lived pure. And one man from a specific ty- tribe at a specific time. And then there's a whole nation of Israel and yet there's just this one temple in this one location. So if you want to go there, if you want to have God truly with us, it's at this one place. And so what happens is that although Solomon, in the end, he builds the temple, his reign, in the end, is marked with disobedience. In the end, Solomon ignores David's advice and he chooses to be afraid. He chooses to worship other things and other people rather than God, which, spell, which spells total disaster for the people of God. The temple, all, all the focus of the effort, all the focus of the, the whole of the Old Testament is destroyed. The nation is completely and utterly torn apart. The people are taken into exile. And it's like God's plan to display his glory and goodness to the world just appears to be like shattered on the ground. What what is that about? Because God with us to an extent is not enough. God with us to an extent is not enough. It wasn't enough for Solomon. And it wasn't enough for us. So God sends Jesus. Another son sent by another father to build another temple. Not a temple made with human hands but a temple made with living stones, his church, built together. So the promises of God are fulfilled again, that he might live in the center of his people, that he might display his glory and his goodness to the world around us. That's what church is about. The promises of God to display his glory and goodness on the earth. But unlike David, who just provides, Jesus comes and he provides. He provides salvation and cleansing. But David goes and Jesus stays. He stays by his spirit. He pours out his spirit into the lives of men and women who love him, who he has cleansed. So that we might be a people who know what it is to have God with us. Not again, never again to an extent, but to have him fully with us, dwelling with us as a people and dwelling in our lives as individuals. Jesus comes by his spirit to make his home in our lives. So we never have to be afraid again. We can feel fear, but not be afraid Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, lives in our lives. And when we turn our hearts and our souls to him, he will meet us. Jesus says that it's better that he should go, that the Spirit might come. He also says that he will never leave us or forsake us. Should we pray? Do you want to stand and pray?
Yeah, Lord, I pray that you would just remind your people who you have chosen that you dwell with them powerfully now in every single circumstance of their lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here in power and that you draw near to your people. I thank you, Lord, for your promise to be close to us, your promise never to leave us and never to forsake us. Lord, I pray that you would stir your promises that you've placed in people's hearts this morning. I pray that you would remind us that you would bring them up afresh. And I pray, Lord, that we would know the touch of your presence all the time, Lord. I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would become a people accustomed to turning our hearts and turning our gaze towards you in every moment of every day. I pray, Lord, for just a fresh touch of your presence in every situation, in every life in this room. Amen.